This is Erica Housekeeper of Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. Walk around downtown Rutland or stroll along Pine Street in Burlington, and chances are you've come across murals created by Catherine Wiegers. Catherine recently completed a mural in front of the Chafee Arts Center on Route 7 in Rutland that's a thank you to COVID-19 essential workers. It's a take on the iconic image of Rosie the Riveter, flexing an arm muscle and wearing a pair of rubber gloves and a face mask with the Superman S on it. Elsewhere in Rutland, Catherine has created a mural of elephants on West Street, while her Batman mural can be seen along Merchant's Row. In Burlington, her vibrant flower mural can be seen in front of Green State Gardener on Pine Street. Catherine was raised in Maryland and attended Castleton State College. She and her husband live in Rutland with their five children. In this episode of Happy Vermont, Catherine talks about what inspires her as an artist, the challenges and rewards of creating murals in public places, and why she loves Vermont. You can learn more about Catherine's murals at www.catherinewiegers.com. Thank you so much for being here with me, Catherine, today. I really appreciate it. And I've Thank you. Yeah, I've I've seen some of your beautiful art and I'm excited to to share your story with listeners. So you've got these beautiful murals around the state and you recently completed a mural in front of the uh, Chafee Arts Center in Rutland. That's a thank you to COVID-19 essential workers. And the mural, if, if listeners haven't seen it, it's a take on the iconic image of Rosie the Riveter, who's flexing an arm muscle and wearing a face mask with the Superman S on it. So I would just love to hear from you about how this piece came together and really your inspiration for this particular piece. <laughs> yes. Um, well, thanks. I, I'm a runner and Many of the roads that I run along in Rutland, they lead to the Rutland Regional Hospital. So in the beginning of all the pandemic and the stay-at-home order, I started seeing these signs popping up in front of the houses along the streets. They're homemade signs. And um, adults and kids were making them. And they were thanking the essential workers. And it was just very uplifting in a time of anxiety. And being a visual person, I immediately thought, what image would I use to paint this message large? Because, it, you know, I, I'm what catches me usually is a picture. You know, words kind of have to process, process them. That's just how I am. I just wanted that to happen. Like, I just have a big visual picture of it. And Rosie the Riveter came to mind right away when I was running. Because it's this iconic image that represents people stepping up to the challenge and helping out like during the war when you know, men were gone and the women went to the factories and so I knew people could relate to that image it's a very popular image and the Superman mask was just you know to represent the hero factor and the flexing the arm I put the 802 tattoo <laughs> for great. strength and you know Vermont pride I wrote this thank you in a speech bubble so anyone, you could stand by it and take a picture. So it's kind of like an Instagrammable for the young people to get the message out there. And yeah, That's so I, I called Sherry. She's the director 
Berkheimer at the Chaffee, and I told him my idea, and I asked if I could put it out front of the Chaffee because it's a great location. It's right on Route 7. Many workers going to the hospital would see it, and she was, she was like, great, fine. <laughs> that's great. So that's, that's how it happened. Excellent. And how's the response been in, in Rutland for people seeing this mural? I'm sure they love it. Yes, I was. I, that it seems like a lot of people like it. And I was very actually, I was actually surprised to, for, to hear so much about it. Mm. I didn't really think that it was going to, you know, be that much of a hit, but I'm glad everyone likes it. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things too, just during these kind of strange times to see something like that. It's, it's uplifting. Yeah, it really is. And it is a great, yeah. And it's a great location. I mean, you can't, you can't miss it on Route 7. So that's, that's really nice. And so you started creating murals back in college, first when you were a student at Messiah College in Pennsylvania, and then when you were at Castleton, uh, where you studied natural science. What made you start creating murals as a full-time job? Uh, well, I, it's just strange that I'm, I'm driven to paint on large walls. It's just, this, I don't know. I guess it's a unique thing. So um, <laughs> I couldn't stop doing it. If, even if I had a side job, I'd want to paint on walls large. So um, it's kind of possessed by it and all I wanted to do. And uh, anytime I got distracted in the beginning and I would think, well, I should really go you know, back to school to use this biology degree. I really have to say my husband's the one who, who you know, encourage me, what are you doing? Just keep, you know, just keep it at it. You can do it. It was a little hard in the beginning because I worked a waitressing job alongside it, but it started to work out. I'd get a job and I was worried about the, you know, that this isn't a secure job. You don't know where the next job's coming from, but there's always been jobs. So it's been great. I'm very lucky. That's excellent. And I know you're working on a couple of murals in Burlington where I live. One is at the UVM Medical Center, and then there's another one at the Hilton on Battery Street. So I would love just to hear about your process for when you create a mural for, you know, a big, a large business or an organization. Do you kind of give them ideas or do they have a vision that they know exactly what they want? I'm, I'm just curious how much artistic freedom you have with these murals. Yes. Well, most of the time, the business or organization usually has a relative idea of, of what kind of atmosphere they're trying to create with a mural. Um, they might not say specifically an image, but so I write down everything that they mention. And it can be hard, too, because sometimes it's hard for someone to, they can be descriptive about what they want, but it's hard to know exactly <laughs> what, what they want. So it doesn't it can take several tries with concepts. So what I do is I write down everything they visualize and I take a picture of the wall and I actually print the picture off really large and I sketch my concept directly onto the picture. They can see it and visualize it. So that's when, and, and the whole um, creating the idea is one of my favorite parts of the process. So. Right. I don't mind coming up with a lot of different ones. Yeah. Is it pretty, do you find it fairly collaborative? I mean, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but does it seem to be kind of a collaborative effort? Yes. Once they, um, yes, you know, I can, I'll, 
you know, sometimes I will, like with the UVM with the hospital, they wanted nature, Vermont, and they wanted the outdoors and they wanted animals. So I started sketching up a bunch of ideas and then they came back with, okay, maybe we want to go more New England animals. And, you know, so yes, back and it was great. It worked out really well once we nailed it down and then got, you know, a theme going. But yeah, it was very, it was, it, I haven't had any problems working with, I have not had any problems yet. Yeah, so. no, that's great. That's, that's nice. It's rewarding. I bet everyone, you know, you and also the the client feel it's rewarding. It's a rewarding process for both because people feel kind of invested. Yeah. And it's funny because when I first read about you, I, I came across a story in the Rutland Herald about you. And I just always assumed that when you made a mural that you were on a ladder next to a building <laughs> painting this huge <laughs> piece. And maybe some murals are made like that. I don't know. But your process is quite different. So I would just love to hear about that. Oh, yes. Um, well, I, yeah, I paint my murals on a non-woven fiber called Polytab. So I did a bunch of research, and they do this out in L.A. and Philadelphia for all the murals. Um become quite popular. It's supposed to have a longer lifespan. But it, it basically, it takes on the form of whatever it's being applied to. So it kind of shrink wraps around it when you apply it. So it's kind of an interesting process. So polytab, it's 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 seventy percent polyester and thirty percent viscose, which is like cellulose. And sometimes sewers, well, when you say that, they know what you're talking about because you can you I buy the material from a garment, a large you know a garment factory, and it comes in bolts, and then I I put it on a thin sheet of plastic and I prep it with it's a combination of acrylic gel and varnish and I do you know a couple layers of that and then it's ready to go and I just paint right on that so before I apply it to the wall I peel it off and it's kind of like unrolling a you know a fruit roll up it's interesting <laughs> that's a good visual yeah but it, <laughs> it has to be put up with this Nova gel and that that's what puts it up on the wall. Do you peel it at the site? Like once you're right outside the wall there, you know, at the yeah. building, you do it right there. Okay. Yeah. And it's probably different for each job, but I'm curious how long does it take to make a mural from planning to finish? Is it a, uh, do you do it in several weeks? Does it take months? Is it shorter, longer? <laughs> um. It's usually they tell me when mm. the deadline is, and that's when I get it done. And <laughs> I'm a procrastinator. So I'm not very, I, that's just some skill I'm trying to work at is, is I'm someone that's all of a sudden, the last minute, I'm painting like crazy. And I, I always hit the deadline, but my husband's always after me, you know, if you just make a schedule, it wouldn't be like this. <laughs> yeah, but so. sometimes working under pressure is is that sort of drives you you know kind of like the the deadline the the last minute that's okay it kind of gives you motivation i i can relate to that myself and in terms of the materials you already talked a little bit about that are there are there other materials you use when painting a well, mural i think well when i put it up you know usually a scaffold or boom lift involved and 
a couple people that have helped me install, I usually stick with the same people because you will lose a lot of arm hair. (laughs) It's like getting a a, a wax when you do it. But I, I get all of my paints and the, all of the acrylic gels, it all is from Nova, Nova color, which is, they sell, it's out of Cal, based out of California and they sell their, their paints are mainly for mural artists and they have the light fastness ratings for, you know, for outdoors and it's great. And I love, I just love this, their paint. Oh my goodness. That's... Very creamy. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but, that's yeah. really nice. And, and all different I put colors. On, yes, they have all different colors and all different. But I put on a solar, you know, a solar UV protectant. And there's even, I do what's called an anti-graffiti coat. So it's like there's a layer of varnish and, you know, and then and then there's another layer. So I have had mural spray painted you know, um, vandalized and you just take mineral spirits and you just remove that layer and it, and it doesn't affect the painting. So that's, yeah. So you grew up in Hagerstown, Maryland. Can you talk about how your family and your upbringing kind of influenced your love for art and painting murals? (laughs) Yes. Um, well, it definitely did. I, I grew up in a unique, it was a restored old stone house from the 1700s. It's on the historic register now. It's beautiful, but my parents restored it and it had these little passageways and there was a barn and a field and it was, just, uh, you know, a great, great place for kids to grow up. And so my, my, uh, I have a very eccentric loving family and my dad's probably the one who has, um, you know, brought in most of the eccentric part to it. But we, we like, for example, my orthodontist was an hour away. So, and every one of us went to the same orthodontist. There was many closer by, but I always thought he chose this one because we were like, we had to memorize poetry on this drive with him. And I'm talking nine paragraphs like the psalm of life which is nine paragraphs was one of them which at the time made me so upset now i do appreciate it but this is the kind of thing it was fun and um but we didn't have any tv there was that was his he was no television and um except when the olympics came he would bring in a tv that was like but we were more fascinated i think with commercials at that time but uh, <laughs> um but we spent, I spent a lot of time outside with my sisters playing, and I think I had the greatest imagination. We came up with, you know, such great just stories going on that it, we were, you know, pretending we were living. And I really learned to observe nature and, like, you know, just lay in the grass and look at the blade of grass and study it and draw it. So... That would be a big part. Also, my my uncle Maynard was a huge influence. He loved books. He was an engineer, and he he was a bachelor, and he just enjoyed art. And he would take his nieces, and some of us two at a time, some of us one at a time. But he took me a lot to Europe, 
and just all the art galleries, the Venice, the Florence, the Rome. So I can't, that, that was, a, that's when I would see all this art, you know, all these huge paintings and that was very inspiring. You know, there were times, I mean, I was in high school and college, so it was a good time too in my life. And um, he likes architecture. So he would, you know, to all the old buildings and, but the murals mostly in Europe, they're, you know, mostly biblically based. So my poor mom, I would come home and I would start painting the life of Christ up the stairwell. And I painted the last supper, the dining room. I really did. And my mom was patient at first. And then she said, I feel like I live in a chapel. And so they've, you know, I did put a fox hunt scene for her instead and something, you know, I felt bad, but. And you would do these right <laughs> on the walls me... in your yes. house? Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. I just, oh, I came back and that's just what I wanted to do. But they're really quite dramatic if those things. I mean, it's not like what you see in the pretty Bible, you know, there's like, no, there's like a spear being stabbed into someone on a crucifix. And, you know, that's oh, what I was seeing over there. And so I could see why she, you know, yeah. might have been a little yeah. much. But. Yeah. Wasn't there a story, too, about the Louvre? Your dad showing you something oh. about the Louvre? Yes. Well, so when he got a VH uh, player, you know. Oh, VHS? VH tape. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So we had a, this TV that absolutely couldn't you you couldn't get anything on it but he and he made sure that we we tried the bunny ears and everything but he got the player so he you know we could watch videos but he the first video he brought home was a tour of the louvre and since <laughs> there was nothing else to watch it was like so interesting and i was pretty young and i remember just sitting there watching it and you know i don't think it's probably the most boring, you know, very, just this, you know, someone walking through the Louvre, going over every painting. But since there was nothing else on a rainy day, that was, I was very intrigued by it. So we did later get, like, the sound of music and stuff. But all the movies that he brought were from, like, the 1940s and 30s. So I was devastated when my brother told me that Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly were dead. <laughs> Yeah, I was like in love with them. Right. Like, what? They're not alive? Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So it was. It was. All my siblings have are very artistic too in their own in their own way. How many so. brothers and sisters do you have? I'm one of five. five. Yep. And where do you fall? Mm. Are you oldest? I'm in. The, I'm right in the middle. middle. Yep. I have two older brothers and two younger sisters. Are your parents still living? Yes. Yep. And they still live in the same house in Hagerstown. Yep. That's great. I bet they're really proud of you and seeing you create this beautiful art now. That must, <laughs> that must really make them happy. Yeah, well, they were always very supportive of it. They, you know, I don't know why I didn't just go to art school. I probably didn't go to art school because I wanted to, you know, do something that, you know, it's just something different than what everyone would want, you know, I think yeah. my parents would have been fine with that, but. Right. But you I found decided. your way back. Sometimes you almost have yeah. to like take a little different path and then you found your way back to art. Yeah. And biology too is very intriguing. You know, it is great for art to learn, the, you know, human body and 
everything. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. That is true. Mm. And then speaking of parents or parenthood, you have five children between the ages of two and 16. And I would love to hear what it's like being an artist uh, who, who works from home at your home studio and and raising five kids (laughs) well I would never have thought I'd have five kids but I'm very I'm very happy I do and um my so while my well it is fun I mean that's it's it's fun sometimes it's challenging I'm blessed to be able to work at home and in have my studio here there uh, they're all very, you know, used to it. So they're used to paint buckets sitting around and, you know, so sometimes I'll forget because someone else will have their children over and, you know, they're, oh my goodness, you know, running around with a wet paintbrush. But my kids have just kind of grown up around it. And I've also had to learn to be flexible because, you know, it's helped me appreciate that artwork is not permanent and not to be a perfectionist. Because they will, you know, until they get used, you know, they will just, I don't run across a painting and rip it. Or <laughs> um, before I was working on the non-woven fiber, I worked on these MDO boards, which are really quite heavy and, uh, you know, but I would ask when I do my design, I never see it all together until I start to lay it out. I do it in sections. And so the MDO boards were four by eight and I would, lay them out in my driveway and then I would climb up on the, the porch roof to look down and they were so the painting was all finished and it was and it was varnished and I got up the porch roof to look down I'll never forget and my son at the time had a Hot Wheels car and he was like looking right at me and he was in the Hot Wheels car and I I knew what he was going to do and I was no and he zipped down the painting oh my God. And um, I think it's, you know, my neighbors. I think I've been pretty comical, you know, to live by. Yeah. <laughs> Not all the time. You see someone standing on the porch roof and, but, right. yeah. Right. Do your kids, are but, they kind of, uh, do are they into art, any of them? Oh, yeah. They all love art in a different way. And they, you know, I don't push it on them, but they, you know, I do, I do encourage it when they, and each one kind of is drawn to a different part of art, you know, so, which is, it's fun to watch. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, I don't know if you've seen it in the news, but up here in Burlington, there's been some controversy about this mural called Everyone Loves a Parade, and it was created back in 2012 by an artist named Pierre Hardy. And this mural, critics have been, have said that the mural is a whitewashing of Vermont's history, and it's, the mural's been defaced, I think, more than once, and there's now a plan for the city to remove it from its downtown location. And I bring this up just because murals seem to have this real community ownership. People are very attached to murals more so than, you know, a piece they would come across in, a, you know, a gallery or a museum or in someone's home. So I just would love to know as a, as a mural artist, what does it mean for you to have that kind of responsibility? I mean, does it make it 
harder or more intimidating in ways, or does it make it more rewarding? Well, probably, probably a bit of both for sure. Um, it is true that that is a it does belong to the community, and everyone looks at art in a different experience, and they have a different experience from it when they look at it, and everyone takes something different away from it, and it can be interpreted differently depending on where you're coming from. And sometimes even even as the artist night. I will look at something and I won't really realize how someone else could interpret that negatively. But I try to make sure that there is nothing, you know, you know, there's not a negative, something that could be brought away negative. So I don't want to offend anyone, but it, it is challenging for, and it, for example, the one that I'm currently working on for the Hilton on Battery Street um, involves large hands. They're each nine feet high. They're very, very large. And the hands kind of, it's like a a strong working hands, but I'm working hard to try and make sure the hands do not specifically, they aren't to one race. You know, just very dramatic tones and texture and color, you know, and and also not one sex in particular. So, you know, that that brings about a challenge. And I think no matter what, someone will, not everyone's going to like it, with which you realize you can't always make everyone happy. But that's kind of the fun part about art that we, you know, we all look at it differently. Yeah. Right. And I think for the you know, for the most part, when you see a mural, you're happy to see it. Like, oh, look at this beautiful piece. It's, you know, you sort of come across them, I don't know, unexpected or something. So I, I think for, you know, murals for the most part seem to, to make people happy. And, and living in Burlington, I, I often see people looking at uh, Mary Lacey's Hummingbird mural um, that's on the corner of College and St. Paul Streets on this big brick building. It's really Yeah, lovely, I love that mural. It's so nice. And your beautiful flowery mural for at Green State Gardener on Pine Street is so beautiful. I would just love to hear, you know, what do you think makes murals special and, and you know, why do they make people happy? I think it's the surprise. Um, it can be so pleasurable to, you know, turn a corner and on a building see like the large hummingbird. Oh, you know, it's unexpected. and um, it's distracting. It's nice sometimes to be distracted. You're, you know, walking along the street and you're trying to, every life is so, you know, I got to go, 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 go. And it makes you kind of stop, you know, and escape for a little bit. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's true. That's what really I really kind say. of be present, you know, it just makes you stop yeah. and be very aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's just for a little bit, you know, it's, oh, it's something that's, different than staring down at your phone and worrying about getting to the next appointment or, you know, what you got to pick up at the grocery store. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And what do you love most about your work as an artist? Um, I would definitely say it doesn't get boring. And there's always something new to create on the horizon. And the challenges I love, I'm always learning. I've been learning as I've been going. And that, that makes it, you know, keeps it exciting. 
when I, I do a sip and dip class sometimes for the chaffee and I always tell they you know, I tell the people taking the class the quote from Pablo Picasso that everyone's born an artist, but the challenge is to stay an artist. And I I think that's really true because, you know, little kids, you know, my son who's four years old, if I tell him <laughs> to paint me a picture of God, he'll just paint me a picture of God, you know, but if you ask an adult to, they'll ask you a hundred questions. So it's just going with that instinct of not thinking and flowing. You know, I just, I love that because in art and when you practice it every day, it just, it keeps that imagination. And I think from me, that's my experience. But. Yeah. How many murals have you made in Vermont? Boy, um, I don't, I don't know. But would you say like more than 10 or? Yes, more than 10. Yeah. More than 10. Okay. Is there a favorite mural that you've made in Vermont? I, I would have to say it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Not yet. I, 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 but I like the elephants. I do like the elephants. Any particular reason they're your favorites? Probably because I painted them so fast and it was just so, you know, fun doing, you know, doing it. And it was just an idea that came out of nowhere. So it was an enjoyable, one of my most enjoyable ones that I did. That's great. And are there places in Vermont that you find inspiration? Are there um, any towns or scenic places or maybe museums or? Oh, um, yeah. Where do you find inspiration? Yeah, go ahead. A lot of, um, I love, um, well, the, there's the Southern Vermont Art Center in Manchester. I love the art there. I love the Shelburne is a huge, it's one of my favorites. When I came upon it, that's like a, hidden treasure when I came upon the Shelburne. There's so many buildings and something different. And yeah, it's so unusual. Oh, and they have that nice new art gallery there. And also just a unique Latasha Tudor. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's a... Oh, sure. Yeah. So I, my mom always loved Tasha Tudor growing up. And once I discovered she lived in Marble, Vermont, and you can tour, but you can't go on a, like a tour bus and go tour. You have to get on a waiting list, and it is quite the experience. And my sisters and I did it with my mom this past fall, and it was so inspiring. And they only do a couple people every year, and you park at a certain place, and then you walk in, and it's her actual son and grandson that lead you through the tour. And it's just, that was very, that was neat. Can you tell us a little bit about Tasha Tudor? Well, she was known as for, she was a, she did, she was a children's artist, illustrator, and she also grew up a bit of a bohemian lifestyle, and she was unique in the way that she raised her kids, I believe there was, I don't remember how many, but she raised them in, like, the late 1700 period, she chose to do that, and this is, this wasn't, what, the 1950s and 60s. So she wore, she she grew everything. She made her own clothing. She had, she didn't have running water. She didn't have electricity. She grew beautiful gardens. And it's just, you know, it's just unique to, to yeah. decide to do that. But she made her living on her drawings mm. and illustrations. So you and your husband, Steve, came to Vermont in the early 2000s, and he is 
familiar with the area as his parents uh, had a cabin on Lake Bomazine. Do you have any favorite places that you like to visit in Vermont? Well, as a family, we love to hike and we love to snowshoe. And in the winter, we're we're up Pico on Killington a lot with, you know, just our kids are skiers. But I know he's really great about finding new trails. And But if I was to, there are a couple that it's hard to pick one, you know. But I think it's now called, locals know it as the Japanese Gardens in Hubbardton. But it is a, just recently become a state park. And I think it's. Uh, is it, oh, Taconic? Yes, Taconic, yes. That's it. And I love that because they have, you know, this Japanese garden that's there that you would not expect and, you know, tadpoles and salamanders and there's beautiful cliffs you can hike up and look out. And yeah, it's, that's a beautiful area. Last question for you. What do you love most about being an artist in Vermont? Well, I would say the nature around, you know, I love that just the green mountains and the seasons and how it changes is is very inspiring. I love the community, the sense of community and also the artist, as an artist, I feel like valuable in Vermont and appreciated. It's something that uh, everybody in society seems to you know, recognize and value an artist. And I don't know if that's the same in every state. And I love too. just, you know, there's, you drive and you don't have billboards, you know, it's just very nice. It's very pleasing. <laughs> it's not distracting. So, and also the, you know, working with other artists and, you know, collaborating, I've enjoyed that and just, the, the network. So, yeah. Yeah. It seems like the artists in Vermont are very supportive of oh, one yeah. another and, and yeah. a, a good, strong community. And people do appreciate art in Vermont. There are a lot of artists and craftspeople and, and, and people really do appreciate them, I think. I want to thank you. Your work is absolutely beautiful. And it, um, thank you for you know, all you do, I mean, it's a real contribution to Vermont, you know, these, these beautiful murals that you're doing. And the ones in, and in Rutland, you know, just seeing your art around town is, is really nice. And I'm sure the, the community there really appreciates it. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, well, I enjoy it. I, you know, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> You can learn more about Catherine's work at www.catherinewegers.com. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Send me comments, story ideas, or feedback at hello at happyvermont.com. You can also learn more by visiting my website at happyvermont.com. Take care and talk to you soon.